Turn with me over to the book of Genesis. We're going to continue our series on preparing an on-ramp for God. Preparing an on-ramp for God. Genesis chapter 12, the title of this message, subtitle is Leave, Cleave, and Receive. Leave, Cleave, and Receive. We're going to look at the life of Abram, at least the start of his walk with God. Genesis 12, 1 through 2. Verse 1 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you, verse 2, a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. Lord, help us as we study. The background is that the Tower of Babel has happened. That's the place at which a group of people, in fact, most of the people in the known earth at that time had decided to come together and build a tower to heaven. And that tower was not going to be the first skyscraper. It was to be a tower that was dedicated to the stars. These were people that believed the stars governed their lives. And if they understood the stars, and indeed some, at some level worshipped them, that they would receive benefit from it. And so they were building, erecting this temple to heaven. And God said, boy, you know, they're really unified. And if they have one mind and one language, nothing will be impossible to them. So I got to fix this because what they're doing is really detrimental to their progress. So he came down and confused their language. And clans and families separated from one another and dispersed. And uh, that's where we get nations from that one moment. Well, Abram was a part of that separating. And his dad, his dad's name was Terah, Terah left that area and began to travel. And uh, he went to a place called Ur and then Haran. Now Haran happens to be the spot at which God calls Abram. And we believe Haran was named Haran primarily because Terah had another son, a younger brother of Abram. And that brother somehow passed. In retrospect, the scriptures were written so Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And this is almost a thousand years after Abram had lived. And so we think that they called Haran Haran in dedication to the brother who had passed. And they settled in this area. Now Haran is someplace today where we would call maybe northern uh, Lebanon or Syria. And then God calls Abram from Haran and says, I want you to leave your country, leave your relatives, and leave your father's household. And we're going to talk about three things that need to be left in your life. The country that is called the world. The rulership and the dominion of the world system you need to leave. Those who influence you in your relational sphere. If they aren't godly, you need to leave them because God has a new order for you. And as, as wonderful as your parents may have been to you, as great as the lessons they taught you, there are some that may have been a little bit more worldly than they should have been. And so you got to leave the government of your parents and establish one on the basis of God's principles. Those are the three primary areas that influence us by way of nurture. Our environment is really controlled by the culture, the, the, the atmosphere in which we live, those with whom we relate, and people who brought us up. That shapes us. And God told Abram, I want you to leave all three. All three. Now, my mother and father were fabulous people. 
I so appreciate everything that Joe and Viola Ruth Fuller were. Every day of my life, I thank God for them. Were they perfect parents? No. Did we have difficulty growing up? Yes. Did they divorce? Was my dad a, a, a model husband? Hardly. In fact, the temptations may have written, Papa was a rolling stone after my father. Just wasn't pretty. I didn't have a good example about what a husband should be. I did not. And so my life could have been scripted better if I had had the reins. If I could have written my, my story, it sure wouldn't have been what I had. Yet, every day of my life, I am grateful for my parents. I honor them for what they gave me, how they nurtured me, and gave me an opportunity to worship my God. I'm not bitter. I'm not angry. I'm happy. And at some point in life, you've got to get to that place. But even if you had the greatest parents on the planet, there are some things that you're going to have to leave to establish your own. The friends I had, great friends. But I had to leave them at some point and say, I've got to have other people begin to influence my life other than those who I ran with. And maybe I didn't go to the right places when we were running together. And I definitely had to leave the world. <laughs> I had to get out of there because that thing was controlling my life. My mindset was wrong. My passions were wrong. Every time the enemy gave me an opportunity to fall, I jumped into the pit. I didn't just lean toward it. I jumped into it. So I had to leave the world system in the same way God says to Abram, I can't do what I need to do with you there. You're going to have to come this way. And if you want to serve God, you've got to come this way. You got to leave the world. You got to leave your boys. You got to leave your boys. I, you, you, your girls. Your dogs. What do you want me to describe them as? How do you want me to convey to you the fact that your friends sometimes can't be your main influencers anymore? It doesn't mean that you leave them completely, it means you leave their influence. Please stay with them. They need who you become. They need to see what godliness looks like. Stay with them, but you're going to have to leave their influence. And to some degree, the people who have influenced you the most, you're going to have to let God now begin to put his imprint in your soul rather than just your parents. Abram, I can't do with you what I need done there. Come this way. God is asking you to come this way. The beauty about Abram is that leaving to him did not come with a whole lot of questions. He just did highest and best all the time. Yet we got to be told all the time what not to do and what to do. Now, if we talk about the redemptive period of history, that spans the period of time of recorded history in the Bible, which is about 4,000 4, years of recorded history in the Bible. It doesn't mean that man had lived and started just 6,000 6, years ago from where we are, because another 2,000 has passed since scriptures were written, roughly. It doesn't mean that. It just means that that's recorded time period. So God started at one point, and, and now we are at this point. And if we were to look at the entire redemptive period of 6,000 years, 4,000 years recorded in scripture, 2,000 outside, only 1,500 were governed by the law. Just 1,500 from the time of Moses to the time of Christ rose from the dead. That's it. 1,500 years. The other 4,000 or so were governed by figure it out. Figure it out. And, and, and 
It says a lot about who we are when we don't just want to have to figure it out. We want all the answers. So, God, when you say leave, does that, does that mean I have to leave Tupac? <laughs> can, can, can I still listen to Tupac? Does that mean I have to leave the club, too? You know, I like to get my... I like to get... By the way, your money ain't got nothing on me. I've been doing this for 30 years. Do I have to leave the club, too? And then you, you know, you know, I ain't no addict or nothing, but if I could just... just Abram decided highest and best. And we ask questions like that because we're not trying to do highest and best. We're trying to get by. What can I do, Lord, that allows me not to be punished? That's all we're asking. Can I do this and still get into the kingdom? Will you allow me to do this and still not be mad at me? Very few are trying to say, God, what can I do to make you happy? How can I make you happy? For the, for the broader part of redemptive history, God just said, figure it out. And the amazing thing about Abraham, and he's called the father of our faith because he figured it out beautifully. He wasn't trying to say, what can I do and get by? He was saying, yes, sir, how can I make you happy? Now, did he make mistakes? Yes. But those mistakes were very small, and they weren't frequent. The Lord did some amazing things, and he will do amazing things with the people who decide, I don't have to be told everything. I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but it happened again yesterday. I was lying down on the couch. I'd just come back from Turkey. I was in Istanbul, and I was doing some ministry thing there. I was recovering from jet lag. And I put my, my, my uh, computer and my phone on the, on the coffee table. And, and I was doing a little bit of work. And, and my son said, Dad, can I move your stuff? My 14-year-old. I said, uh, yeah, why? He said, I, I want to clean the coffee table. I said, you, you, you want to do what? <laughs> I, I want to clean the coffee table. I said, why? He said, it's dirty. I said, I know it's dirty. I want to know why you want to clean it. <laughs> He said, I, I just want to help. I said, let me move my stuff. <laughs> I moved my stuff. And my bag that I go around with was on the, on the carpet by the, by the couch. He said, Dad, can, can I move your bag? Because I want to vacuum. I said, what is wrong with you? What is wrong? What, is, what is wrong with you? Who are you? And what did you do with my son? He said, Dad, I just want to help. I said, did Mama tell you to do this? He said, no. I said, come here, boy. I gave him the biggest hug. I said, you're getting it. You're finally getting it. God embraces and rejoices over the people that just don't have to be told. They just get it. You shouldn't have to ask those stupid questions. Can I drink and still be a Christian? It just make God happy. Do whatever brings a smile to his face. You can do Whatever you think brings a smile to the face of God. Knock yourself out. Are you listening to me? Yes, sir. Now, I don't have an issue with a, with a believer drinking. None at all. Glass of wine is nice to have. I just don't do it. 
Number one, my daddy was an alcoholic. And so I think there may be something on the inside of me that is bent toward that. I don't know if you've, you've read studies on genomics, but, but there's a study where you can actually turn genes off and turn them on. Yes, not talking about mutations. You turn them off and turn them on, depending on your behavior. And, and I'm not quite sure whether something might turn on on the inside of me that is bent as a result of a predisposition re regarding my father that I would have a hard time turning off, that I, if I enjoyed it a little, I might enjoy it too much. And I can't afford to do that. I don't need to use my faith to try to get, to, to, to kick a habit. Okay. I don't need that. I don't need to be in a rehab center. Secondly, if I was in a restaurant and I had a, a beer there, I think y'all, if you saw me, you'd have to just go, oh. <laughs> a pastor, how you, oh. Just a little bit. Now, you, you, go crazy. you wouldn't say, oh, something's wrong with Pastor. You'd just say, uh. <laughs> hi, Pastor. How you doing? <laughs> and as I lick the foam off my mustache up here, <laughs> you just think, oh, good to see you, Pastor. And you get over it because you realize God's with me. But you'd have to hurdle that. You'd have to hurdle that. Now, I I, I, everybody at some level wants to be accepted, at some level, whether it's by their family, whether it's by their friends, everybody wants to be accepted at some level. But I really don't care much about what you think regarding whether I have a glass of wine or not. I do care a lot about what you think about the position I hold that does. Okay. The God I represent who does. I can do what I want to do with a glass of wine. I just choose not to because I know who I am and what I do. And I'm trying to make sure that every day I lay my head on my pillow, that 24, I have brought a smile to God's face. So all those questions you got about what you can do and can't do, just, just they're answered by this. Is it going to make God happy? Is it going to make God happy? Now, please go to the club if you evangelize. <laughs> go. Go as often as you possibly can. Take your Bible with you and do Bible studies at the bar. <laughs> Leaving means departing and letting God begin to renew your heart so that you're wired to do his will. You develop his heart within your heart. And you don't want to do what is wrong. And I, I beg you, stay pure in your morality. Don't commit immorality. He doesn't have enough money to give up that which is priceless, ladies. He doesn't have enough money. He's not handsome enough. He's not upwardly mobile enough for you to sacrifice that which is to be given to the person, only to the person to whom you say I do. And only once you have said I do. And gentlemen, she's more valuable than for you to take something which is not rightfully yours until you say I do. I'm begging you, live right. Treat that woman with dignity and honor like she is God's daughter. And ladies, learn how to say no. Live the way you should. And if that ship has sailed in many of your lives, whereby you say, well, 
<laughs> Purity, I, I haven't seen that in years. God can renew something on the inside of you and make you something that you didn't know you could be so you can have a testimony, a period of time of holiness and sanctification that allows you to say, I lived in victory for a period until I said I do. And then you are able to have something to give to your children. Other than just an inheritance of resources and education, you're able to have something to give to your kids that says, when you tell them what I'm now telling you, because you will, you will tell them, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And they will want to say, although they won't ask, well, did you do it when I, you were my age? And th the reason they don't want to ask is because they realize it would be very disrespectful. And number two, they don't want to know the answer, really. <laughs> they don't know what to do with that information. But you want to have a clean slate if you can to say, yeah, we did. And here's the inheritance of behavior we are giving you of sanctification and redemption, a spiritual legacy that you can now give to your children. At any point, even though that ship may have sailed and that horse may have run out of the barn, at any point in your life, you can begin to make it right. There is never a wrong time to make a great decision. Yeah. I beg you, stop the immorality. If your boyfriend and girlfriend, just stop it now. You're only hurting one another and creating more stuff over which you're going to have to, to hurdle in order to find the grace of God. Stop and let somebody help you through the process of what it means to have victory in your relationship so that you can treat one another as God intended. And if you're married, stay faithful. Now, I'm not preaching out of just theology. I'm preaching out of experience. Once I got right with God, I did not touch another woman until I said I do to my wife. And that was five years of my most virile period in life, by the way. <laughs> I was 20 to 25. And I, I was eligible. Some women thought I was a catch. Yes, they did. They may have been half blind in one eye, but they thought I was a catch. And I said no. Because I wanted, to make, I wanted to make my God happy. And I wanted to give something to my bride. Purity was not a part of my life before then. But it was for five years. And I said, here, sweetheart, this is me for you. Have that testimony. Begin to aspire to something like that. Leave the world. Secondly, cleave. I want you to go from and come to. He says, I want you to go to the land that I will show you. Now, we have greater definition in the book of Hebrews regarding the place about which Abram thought he was going. And Abram, it says, when he went out, he was going and looking for a place that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So Abram, when, when, he, when he heard God say go, he said to himself, why? I must be going to a people, somebody out there that God has built that I can fellowship with who think like me, who, who, who God has already prepared for me to be with, because surely he wouldn't have me go to nothing. Now, he had no idea he was to start the people. But the, beauty, the beautiful thing now is when you go out, you don't have to found a people that you can actually go to what Abram thought he was going to a foundation of righteousness upon which you can stand 
and a, a city and, and builder whose architect is almighty God. God joins you once you leave the world. He wants you to be joined to a church. Once you leave, you should begin to cleave to a group of people that can help you live this life wonderfully. I'm accepted in a number of circles, not because of my education, not because I understand my Bible well, but because by the grace of God, somehow, he has helped me understand what it means to live well. And for some strange reason, people interpret my life as being somewhat synonymous with integrity. And so it gains me door entrances that I wouldn't have otherwise. There are other people who know much more about theology than me. And preachers who can preach the paint off the walls better than me. But I seem to have this propensity to live what I believe. And that allows me to get in doors that others cannot. And that's only by the grace of God, because disappointment and failure was my portion, and nobody was asking me any place. God has made me whatever I have become a benefit to man. But it's because I decided I needed help. I didn't just leave. I went to a group of people that said, I'm a mess, dude. Pastor, whatever I need to call you, tell me how to live. Please. I, I, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Detroit Lions of 2009. Oh, boy. <laughs> was it 2009 they went 0-16? I think it was 2009. That's me. I ain't seen spiritual victory in my entire life. Help me. And now, now I, I, I think I live like at, at a level of 11 and 5 every year. I'm going to playoffs. <laughs> 11 and 5 every year. Every year, 11 and 5. 11 and 5? That's not perfect. But I got more victory than I got defeat. Because I submitted myself to a group of people and said, help me. Teach me this word. I don't know what it means. I don't know how to live it. I don't know how to apply it to my life. Please mold me, and I let myself become a disciple in the lives or in the hands of somebody else so that they could shape and let their experience be the platform from which I could jump into something greater. Oh, and that is the only reason somebody thought it was a good idea after I got right with God in March of 1981 to be put into ministry nine months later in December. Actually, eight months later, I was put into ministry. When I graduated from college early, December 6th or 8th, I went straight into ministry. And then nine months from that, August, they sent me here. I had only been right with God 18 months, and I was now leading the ministry at Howard University. I still don't know why they thought that was a good idea. Except that I said, I'm yours. Teach me. I've messed up my life royally all on my own. I'm leaving this world, but I am cleaving to y'all. And I beg you, I am grateful. You who are courageous, thank you for coming out in this inclement weather. In fact, you know, the more bad weather we get, the better you're getting at driving. <laughs> you just can't stay cooped up in your house forever. You got to get out. So maybe this is helping us all. Five years ago, we would have canceled all day today just because it might snow. But 
I'm glad you're here. I really am. And Sunday morning is huge. But Sunday morning is just the beginning. It's not the end. You haven't completed your spiritual service of worship by coming. You started it. And though I'm really happy you're here, I really wish more for you. That you become a, small, a part of our small groups. That you get a part of our men's ministry, men. Our women's ministry, women. That you allow somebody the privilege of getting into your life and discipling you. If your marriage is messed up, get a part of our love and respect class. If you don't know what to do with your finances, get a part of our financial peace class. If you don't know what to do with your teenagers, make sure they're attending our, our 180 group and, and you get into our parenting moments and somebody can help mentor you and give you the skill sets necessary according to the Bible of what it means to grow because parenting is not about raising kids, it's about raising you. It's not about growing kids up, it's about growing you up because when the kids have better parents, they become better kids. It doesn't mean that if you're a perfect parent, your kids will be perfect. It just means when you are a better parent, they have a better chance. You need all these skill sets, according to Scripture, that allow you the privilege of becoming more. So just coming in the door helps you more than not coming in the door. But just coming in the door is supposed to be the beginning. Leave the world and cleave to a group of people. Let the church be the church it's supposed to be to you. Now, if we are not your cup of tea, I get that. If you don't like me, I get that too. I'm not mad. Some days I don't like me, but I got no choice. I can't leave me. If, 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 if you don't like the way I minister, a little black man with a bow tie sitting on a stool, who does that? I get that. And if you don't, maybe, you know, we sing folk songs every once in a while. We do a little gospel every once in a while. We do a little Latino every once in a while. You think, who are you? We don't know. We are a hodgepodge. We are an eclectic group intentionally trying to be diverse. I get that. We are not everybody's cup of tea. If we are not yours, go find yours. Find your people. When you come out, what are you looking for? Abram, it says, was looking for something. He wasn't looking for a meeting. He was looking to be a part of a people. I'm begging you. If you've been coming for the last three years and aren't a member yet, what you waiting for? Yet you would identify yourself as a Grace Covenant person. Where are you going to turn? Grace Covenant is my home. But you haven't joined us yet. You are just coming to us. Abram was looking for a people that he could join, be a part of, and find life in. I'm begging you, cleave here. Or if us, if we are not it, cleave someplace. But don't just be a permanent guest. Thirdly, receive. <laughs> now, when you come out from the world, like I said, and you choose to cleave, like I said, join a group of people, God does something for you. You have just built an on-ramp upon which he is going to come and do some amazing things for he says, I will make a great nation out of you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And I will make you a blessing. Doesn't get much better than that. I'll make you a great nation. Influence. Influence. God is going to increase your influence so that largeness becomes your portion. And that, hear me, once you have gone from this planet, something still remains. 
Something of you is left after you're gone. People you've impacted, ministries you've started, lives you've seen change because it's not just about you. You've gotten bigger, bigger. And, and please do not compare the, the idea of influence with other people's success. Don't measure yourself by what other people are doing. You'll get deceived because when somebody doesn't do well, you'll think you're doing really well. And you'll measure your success by their failure. And when somebody's doing really, really well, you'll think you're failing because you're not doing as well as them. You can't do that. What you have to do is say, God, I'm going to do with what you gave me whatever I can. I'm going to make it happen with the, with the stuff you gave me. I'm going to work with it the best I can. And, and it's like the parable that Jesus gave in Matthew. I think it's 25, where the master went away and gave some stewards some resources. To one, he gave one talent. To another, he gave two. To another, he gave five. And a talent didn't mean whether you could sing or whether you could play. It was a unit of measure, 100 pounds, 100 pounds of anything. And to one, he gave one. The guy went out and buried it. To the one, he gave two. He gained two more. To the one, he gave five. He gave five more. And the reason he gave them in different measures is because each of them had capacity to do more with what they had. So the one who had five had greater capacity. The one who had two had lesser capacity, but greater capacity than the one who had one. And the one who had one was supposed to do something with it, but he didn't. And when the one who had five went out and gained five more, the master said, great job. The one who had two went out and gained two more. The master gave him the same commendation. There wasn't, how come you didn't do what the other guy did? Same commendation. I don't think I'm a five guy. No pun intended. I don't think I'm a five guy. I think I'm probably a one and a half guy. But with my one and a half, I'm trying to make it three. All I'm doing is trying to, to live so I can hear, well done. Enlarge that once I'm done, I keep going because the influence I've had has continued in other people's lives. I'm going to make you a nation, Abram. Greater influence, greater government over that beyond just you. Secondly, I'm going to bless you. And when God says he's going to bless you, <laughs> that, his definition of blessing is different than mine. You know, I, I tell my kids I'm going to bless them. That means I'm taking them to Dairy Queen. <laughs> you know, I, I can't give them. I, I, got, I got resources that are somewhat limited. But when God's, if Donald Trump said he wanted to make you happy, if he took you to Dairy Queen, you think that's not on the same order as I thought. <laughs> you get my point. The term is defined by the person who has the resources. When God says he wants to bless you, <laughs> start getting happy. I will bless you. And I will make your name great. Wow. What about having an incorruptible reputation? What value can you place on that? Now, I, I don't know that that means with respect to what people think about you. Because folk will like you one day and not the next. But you do want to know that God has an unchangeable view about you. Over in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, as John is writing what Jesus is saying to the seven churches, he writes to the church at Sardis. And he talks about all the things they haven't done, some of the things they have done. He says, for those things who, that you haven't done, that you could overcome in, he said, if you overcome, I will give you a new name and I will shout it to the Father. I'll begin to tell, I'll confess your name to the Father. That's what Jesus said. A reputation, an identity that God gives that can never be changed. 
And what you want is for God to come to you and to affirm you like that to the Father. Earth may not talk about you well, but you want your name to resound in heaven. God said, I will give you a great name because you've done well. And then lastly, I'll make you a blessing. Why in the world did God all decide to do all this stuff? Abram built the on-ramp. He obeyed. He obeyed at a high level, not just trying to get by. And then he was looking for something. He wanted to be a part of something. But this man went, and, and nobody had to tell him. He just went. Nobody had to tell him all the details. He just went. But as a result of him obeying God, God said, I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. So you will be a blessing. The end product of building this arm ramp is so that we can be a blessing to the world with the resources he pours out on us. That's, that's why. There's so many people who don't have the need. And the Lord wants to use you to be an unobstructed pipeline of his goodness to humanity. That the... The pipe freely flows, and it flows fast. That he can run resources to you, and once they get to you, they go through you. One blessing after another, after another, after another, after another. That you become a blessing to the entire world. When we talk about what it means to build a sanctuary over here and have 1,400 seats, we need people to, to be the, the conduits of blessing to make that happen. We talk about providing for our orphans in Africa. We need people to be the conduits of blessing to make that happen. Whether we're providing for the, the children at Yorkshire Elementary in Manassas, we are doing all we possibly can to take the resources we've got and disperse them to the community because the only reason God has left us on the planet is to be a blessing, not to enjoy the blessings he's given us, though there is nothing wrong with enjoying, but that is not the final object and reason of his blessing us. The final purpose is that we might be a blessing to humanity. And as I end, if the, if the final reason for us to be left here is to be a blessing to humanity, then how proportionately is that being reflected in your life? How is it being reflected? That if you have resources, how are they being diverted toward that end? You might say, well, I don't have the resources to make it happen. Well, let's go back to the beginning then. Have you come out? Have you completely come out? And have you, found, have you found the people to whom you need to join? Have you become a part of his kingdom in such a way that you are adding value to the people rather than just taking? Have you moved beyond consumer Christianity that looks at a church as like being a Walmart and they come in and they get what they want and they walk out? Are you looking for the opportunities to serve rather than to be served? If that isn't a part of your life, then there are reasons why the blessings have not come to you whereby you can be a blessing. And we need to fix it back there, not just begin to accuse God and say, well, God ain't fair. He ain't treating me right. Well, you haven't really built the on-ramp. You really haven't built a proper on-ramp. He wants to come to you like that. But you need to come out and you need to come in. Let's pray. Daddy, I love you. There's nobody like you. Nobody. Help us to be the kind of people.